to the So Wizards podcast. I'm Kevin Broom, and I'm joined today by a new co-host, uh, Ronald Oaks Cunningham. Ron, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. And um, so I think what we're going to do uh, with this is we're going to record, try to record once a week or so, and we're going to talk about the Wizards. We're going to kick it around. I'm going to bring stats and other nerdery, and um, Ron... We'll bring his unique perspective and his thoughts about the Wizards, and we hopefully will combine to learn things from each other, change each other's minds, or just have general arguments about the Wizards. Yep. So, uh, Ron, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, man. Happy to be here. Um, to reiterate, I will not be bringing any nerdery or stats. I will be learning that from Kevin. Uh, unlike most people who are prophets or believers in the eye test and being entertained. Um, I think there's a lot to be learned from the other side, like the way the statistical analysis impacts the game. Like we see it. You, you all have won. You all have changed uh, the culture. Uh, your imprint is like upon a game. And to not understand it and fully know what it is you all speak about will be a disservice to all basketball viewers. So that's what I'm here to do. Here to learn that and hopefully give some outside of the box takes that, you know, land within bounds. So we'll see. I mean, in our forecast, just to sort of get into the book, we did a forecast together, folks, uh, on bulletsforever.com. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. And there, I mean, you, <laughs> I did the tweet about uh, Daniel Gafford potentially having a bald spot. You turned that into like analysis. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, because, all right. So, I mean, like within everything, there's connections, right? Or at least we're we're primed to think that, like as humans, like we're we're meant to to like find a connection even where there isn't one. But take Gafford, right? Like the main, I guess, impediment to him standing on the court last year was his conditioning and uh, foul trouble, right? So on the one hand, some analysis said it was his lack of strength. I believe former coach Scott Brooks was an adherent of that uh, position, and so if you if you look around at most folks who who have you know cut off all their head hair, they tend to be brolic, like they work out, they're more disciplined than others. And I'm not saying it's because of uh, the balding is why they're that way, but for some reason, like uh, bald fellows, at least at my gym, uh, more disciplined, they're stronger. They're always the uh, strong guards who who tend to guard me for a court. They like to press up on me, get physical. Now, it doesn't work for them, but uh, it may work for Gafford. It may work for Gafford. So that's just like, you know. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You have guys at your gym who play full court defense and pick up? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm oh, uh, I'm fast. Like, I'm, I'm fleet of foot. I'm fast. I'm, I'm like a playmaker. And I like to score and talk trash. So uh, when I'm in D.C., oh. When I'm in DC, like like in law school, I hooped uh, I hooped at uh, obviously Al gym, um, and it was pretty cool. Bounced around, went to some like Northern Virginia gyms to see how they play out there, and um yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I rarely find folks who who are fast enough to keep up with me or who are in good enough mm-hmm. shape. But the ones who are are typically like the like older fellows who who know how to use their combined experience to cut off angles, mm-hmm. their strength and whatnot, and one thing they tend to have in common is that they, they've cut off all their hair. So if Gafford does that, right, if you continue along with this premise and Gafford does that, then he'll be unstoppable. He'll be strong yeah. enough to handle Embiid. 
<laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, you know, we'll see. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah, maybe he should he should consider that. I mean, you think about LeBron when he was at the peak, he he was had a bald spot and then he wouldn't have the bald spot, that kind of stuff. Michael Jordan obviously shaved his head because he was uh, had some pattern baldness. Yes. Clyde Drexler yeah. uh, comes to mind. Yeah. You know? So so uh, about that, all right, maybe this is me showing my age, uh, but I'll lay my cards on the table. I, I believe, like, I, the new, I don't know, what was it called? The Last Dance um, kind of <laughs> reintroduced me to Jordan. We knew about the myth, but... Um, Seeing it in like HD TV, that was my first time seeing it in like HDMI. I was born in like '92, so I kind of was too yeah. young to to fully grasp like how great this guy was. To almost to a point, I remember I asked my girlfriend, I was like, "Wait, Jordan was bald?" You know, like <laughs> like that type <laughs> yeah. of stuff. And he dom- and then even my idol, like Christ Bryant, he basically was bald. Like he had you know just a little sliver of hair up there, but I, I don't know, like. Maybe I'm making too much of it, but it, it seems that my position is if Gafford just goes all the way in, he gets that strength up, we're unstoppable. Yeah, it's kind of the reverse Samson. Don't grow your hair. Cut it. You see it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got it. So, all right. We did this forecast article. Uh, just spoiler alert. I, I So my approach was, of course, the, the nerdery. I did uh, statistical forecasts for every player. Um, based on several different approaches. And what I came up with overall was 39 wins. Um, and you came in a little more optimistic than that, 42 wins. Um, so for me, just, um, you know, my thinking on this, what, what my analysis suggested was that, um, you know, th- there's some wild cards, of course, but most of the players that the Wizards um, have that they acquired are guys who are already pretty well established. Their performance level is well established and they don't, players like them didn't usually make a jump like later. Most of them, in fact, peak uh, before the current age. So like Montrez Harrell is what, 28. Mm-hmm. Um, most players like him peaked around, I think like 26 or so. Um, same thing with Kuzma, you know, Kuzma's like 26, I think what, 20, 26, 27. And, um, Players like him tended to peak a little earlier as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just kind of across the board. Now, the, the, the players who are kind of the more wild card-ish ones are guy, younger guys like Daniel Gafford, um, Rui, um, Hachimura, Denny, Avdia. Those guys still have, you know, they're young enough that their peaks should still be in their future and they still should be able to be, you know, they still should have room to improve. Um, that's not to say that a guy like Kyle Kuzma couldn't suddenly quote unquote, you know, like get it and become, you know, a, a all-star level player. It's just not likely based on, on what he's done so far and what players like him have done. Yeah. So that's my general forecast. Um, like I said, 39 and 42, I think that are 30. Yeah. Whatever the record is 39 and 43 and, um, Probably get in like the ninth or tenth, get into the play-in, and then you you know who knows what happens after that. So, okay, what you're like I said, you're a little more optimistic. So, what do you? Okay, so yeah, like just a slight hair. So forty-two and forty, and my my reasoning behind that is how much of a gauntlet the Eastern Conference is. Like for all like for the past seven years or so, we've heard about how hard the West is. I mean, even 
folks have went as low as to denigrate LeBron making it to all of those finals because of how weak uh, the Eastern Conference was. Now that's yeah. that's different, you know. Like, so we just be we just beat Indiana. Um, you know, we just beat Indiana on this past Friday, and they turned around less than twenty four hours in. They dispatched of Miami, right? Like Miami is considered like a, a top four team with their new additions, and uh, in, Indiana played them well, played them competitively. Like I was watching it. Um, I'm not going to say I had any money on the game. I was just watching it for fun. Um, so you know, Indiana showed some things. They have some pieces. They have some players. They they have some great talent and good coach. And we beat them. And I just think it's going to be like that. That type of stuff will happen uh, overall the season. Like you may play Cleveland. And when you think is an easy win, Cleveland will surprise you and get you up out mm-hmm. of there. But then you play Brooklyn the next day, you may beat them. So I remember uh, mm-hmm. growing up, the Wizards, the Wizards that I grew up under, like the Karan Butlers, the Gilbert Arenases of the world, uh, they will win five, lose four, mm-hmm. and win five, and then lose three. Do you remember those like those oh, sure. those weird stretches? Yeah. So I think something like that uh, is more likely to happen. Well, at least that's what I had I thought prior to us, you know, starting two and zero. So that that's what my thinking was. Um, more to your point, I agree with you that um, you know the stats show typically you know Montrezl Harrell won't get better than what he what he's been. Uh, Kyle Kuzma won't take that next leap that he's been forecasting is in him for like you know the past couple of seasons, right? But um, and then maybe we can get into this uh, after I, I give like my new outlook. But I, I want to know like. How do does your statistical analysis account for now players are playing longer than ever? Like the the science is better, the the rest and recovery is better, the skill set is better. Um, you know, to to where players like you you know will will last longer in this league, will carve out um great longer careers to where back in the day where you know you coming in at twenty one, twenty two, you peak by twenty seven. Nowadays, you're coming in 20, you peak by 27, you're out the league by 34. Now you're coming in at 21, 22, you're playing to a 37, 38. Like, I, I just wanted to know how that factors in because um, I'm part of that minority who does believe, like, Kuzma can do more. And simply on the fact that he's a 6'10 skilled player. Like, he's mm-hmm. a 6'10 skilled player who wants to put the ball in the court. No matter what. He won't be, like, you know, his primary defender won't be too many 6'10 players, primarily because he's faster than them. He has a step, although mm-hmm. he's not, you know, uber-athletic. He has a step on the guys who will typically match up with him. So, therefore, he'll always have a mismatch, you know? And I just I just think that, like, in our system, if we continue to play this, like, up-tempo, run-and-gun type style... Uh, with a little bit of defense added in, like Kuzma, like that that style of play and the the mismatches he get will read down to his credit. Like I, I don't know how that will impact his analysis. But I'll leave yeah. that for you. But also like so other other additions, um, which which uh, help me think that the team will be over five hundred. For example, like Aaron Holiday, I, although it seemed like he got uh he was on a short leash on game one, like he had a couple of turnovers, some some like. You know, early early season jitter plays, but I really like the backcourt pair of him and Neto. Like we have two gritty gritty players who out there. Even if you're better than them, you have to go prove it because mm-hmm. they're going to force you to work and they're going to try to get back at you at the other end. And we just have like our backup group, Montrez Harrell. Uh, I mean, you know, six man of the year yeah. one year, and then the next day, you know, you on the bench. 
Like, proving, you know, one day you're the cock of the walk, the next you're the feather duster. Like, proving <laughs> that British idiom, to, like, to become true. So it's just weird for him. And now with us, uh, I'll let you say, you, you've you been watching this longer. Is he our best backup ever? Like, is, he's the be- is he the best backup we've ever had in D.C. amongst any position? Like, that's <laughs> that's something, you know, that's something we have to, we have to look up because... His impact is immediate, and I feel, honestly, I feel he can get a double-double every game and not 10-10. and 10. I'm talking like 17-11, and 18-12, those type of numbers coming off of the bench. So that's why I think it's 42, uh, we'll, we'll get to 42 wins. But, you know, as it is with the eyes, you see one thing one day, and the next day you may not see it again. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. So a, a few thoughts. Um, that's an interesting question on Harold, and I am now going to go look that up and see what I can what I can find out. He's certainly the best uh, backup that they've had in a long time. He's a very productive player. I like him a lot um, and enjoy watching him play because you know he he just goes so hard. The effort yeah. is there, and he's he's athletic, and he's not big, but he's got real long arms, which is a, a good combination to have. Um, to the Kuzma points and the, like the longevity of players, what I'm fi- finding is I would say that the evidence on like players lasting longer doesn't really seem to be there. Um, okay. okay. Certainly some great players like LeBron is playing very productively into his late 30s. Chris Paul is as well. But they're always, I mean, the all-time greats tend to last pretty long, um, you know, pretty late into their careers. Um, not, not universally, but you think about like Carl Malone played until he was what about 40 John Stockton retired at 40, 41, um, mm-hmm. Kareem played into his forties, Vince Carter, who was not an all time great made it into his, yeah. into his forties as well. But, um, you go like Kevin Garnett played late into his career, um, productively, I mean, and so I'm not sure, you know, with like the role players, it seems like. And Kuzma, I would put more into that role player mold. Okay. It seems more like he's going to follow that that sort of standard kind of player career arc. Um, he he hasn't taken that big jump. He's basically hovered around average so far in his career. Um, okay. And so, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I know that's the theory of um, in, in a lot of NBA front offices and with their medical is that the um, – you know, improved care will help players last longer. And I'm just saying, I haven't really seen the evidence of that yet. That could be coming, you know, because a lot of what they're doing now is is still fairly new. Um, certainly in terms of load management is a mm-hmm. relatively new concept, like, you know, last six, seven years, really. And so it'll be interesting to see if that really, truly does extend players' careers Um but so far, it seems more like in terms of like pro- guys being productive into like their late 30s, that it's really much more of a all-time great kind of thing. Again, I think like Tim Duncan, Kareem, uh, those kinds of guys. Okay. So we'll okay. see, we'll see on that. Now, um, to the first two games, um, you mentioned something them playing like up-tempo, run-and-gun. It's interesting because when I was um, prepping for the podcast, one of the things that jumped out at me through the first two games is how much they've slowed down compared to last season. Um, so this season, they're 22nd in pace. Last year, obviously, they were first. Last year, they were yeah. over 105 possessions per 48 minutes. 
This year they're down under a hundred, um, right around like I think it was like ninety nine point seven something like that. So it's mm-hmm. funny that they've actually slowed down a little bit. Um, and the the, the deep it, it's too early to know whether yeah. any of that means anything, you know, because it could just be that they played Indiana and so things slowed down because Indiana plays at a little bit slower pace than than most teams. But it does. I will say one of the things that I've found I I do a tracking spreadsheet every year and um, really just about every year the data shows that one pace doesn't matter all that much but two if anything the wizards have tended to be a little bit better when they've slowed down a little bit on offense um, when the pace of the game slows down a little and that included last season so um, it's it's interesting to see that probably one of the big changes is that they've um, they, that they're slower, a little slower so far this season. Again, two games doesn't really mean very much. Yeah, but. yeah. It was like because we got to look at it. Um, first game, Toronto. Like they're going to suck this year. Yeah, uh, that was a fast. That was a pretty game. fast place game. I was. Yeah, that was. Yeah, and then they're and then uh, Indiana, no Brad. Right. So it's like okay, let's go slower. Let's get let's get great shots. We don't have a guy. We can just dump the ball to go get us a bucket. And unlike yeah. last year, I will note, like, and I, I saw the Twitter feed uh, pointing this out. It does seem two game sample, though, um, that we aren't rushing up, you know, mid range, long mid range jump shots early in the mm-hmm. clock. Like, we're, we're not doing that uh, through the first two games. So that's, like, pretty good. Um, but yeah, I still, I still feel like we're, we're running, we're running, we're gunning, we're trying to get out in transition mm-hmm. and it makes sense. I mean, we have some guys who can only score that way. Yeah. Like right now, like our big men. And, and I'm not saying like, I know, uh, I saw, uh, interview that Tommy did with, uh, NBC sports Washington. And he talked about how Gafford has improved his range. Uh, he has like a jump shot now he can right. score beyond a, the basket. And it's like, well, until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. So it was like pick and rolls and, you know, dunks, putbacks. We we need guys who move up and down constantly in motion uh, to get buckets. And, yeah. you know, I I, I, I remember, I recall uh, the Jet, Kenny the Jet Smith talking on uh, the TNT broadcast before that if you have guys who are willing to run hard all season, you're guaranteed 40 wins because they will just outwork you. And like, who knows, right? Like, who knows if the evidence supports that? But let's let's take that, like, you know. I, as, I would say some... I would say no, uh, you know, because you think okay. about like, those process teams in Philly. They played hard. They ran hard. They just they were terrible. Uh, you think oh, about yeah, Oklahoma they City, Oklahoma City this season, this season and last season. I mean, they the, the guys they had played hard. They just sucked. Yeah. You know? Okay. So let's let's rephrase. Playing hard with quality players. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Because what Philly was doing, I mean, like they had guys who. Granted, like, luckily for them, they'll be able to tell their kids, like, hey, I was an NBA player for this season. I logged this many minutes, scored this many points. But we all knew what Philly was trying to do, lose. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we we know what Oklahoma City was doing this past season, like, yep. losing. But, yeah, like, but you, know, I, you, you get my point, though. It's, it's yeah, no, like, 100%. Like, we'll follow, NBA we'll follow, teams, by and large, play hard. And so yeah. I, I, maybe that used to be more true, but now – I don't know. It like, seems like know. Guy, guys pretty much go play a lot harder than – that maybe they're giving credit for. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But in a regular season and the, the this long, drawn out regular season, who knows, right? Yeah, but yeah. anyway, I, I hope it. I I do hope like we continue to 
to mix and match like our styles. Like before last year, it was get up on the Wizards. They're going to make a run, but they'll be too tired and gassed to, to pull it out. Because yeah. we did that quite often. Like we'll fall down behind, like we'll fall down a lot, uh, behind by a lot, make a ferocious comeback just to lose by three points in the end. Well, mm-hmm. you're tired, right? So now managing, slowing down, having uh, more players, having a, a greater talent pool to select from, uh, it really helped us. And I guess this is a certain segue, if you feel it. Like, do I want to re... I don't know. I don't want to say, like, re, re-predict our season output or <laughs> change it by anything. Like, I'll, I'll leave that to you. Yeah, well, for me, no, I'm not... I, it's way too early to, for me anyway, to like revisit what I thought in the preseason. You know, give me 10 games, 20 games in, and then we see more of what the team is taking, you know, how the team is taking shape and okay. what they're, what they're going to look like over the course of the season. And then, you know, at that point, I'm constantly reassessing the, um, you know, 10 games. And right now, it's just like the, the two games that were played were both pretty extreme um, yeah. in terms of, the, the difference, I mean, in the Wizards versus uh, the Raptors, that was just like a brick fest. Both teams just trying trying their best to break the backboard and <laughs> with the ball. And uh, like, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook would have been perfectly at home with that. Um, oh, with that brick fest. A- no, I, you know, I, oh. I say that, I'm, I'm, oh. I really say that in jest because one of the things that um, – has really struck me is, you know, people talking about what a lousy shooter Westbrook is. And one of the things that really struck me last year was that he actually shot the ball probably a bit better than he did. you'd expect based on his reputation. You know, he was actually a pretty effective mid-range shooter. Um, I, I'm not saying that's like those are the shots that you want him or anyone taking, but he he wasn't as terrible a shooter as, as he'd been alleged to be. Okay. Uh, so... Um, at any rate, you get my point. And then, it, obviously, the Wizards versus the, the Pacers was just, uh, you know, they both teams scored at will. Both teams shot that the lights way. out. Now, what happened to that so-called vaunted West, West defense, you know? Where's the defense so, he's talking about? Yeah, so Where here's the it? thing. Yeah, well, here's the thing that's kind of curious to me. So, um, what back years ago, I did a, a defensive tracking project, and there's been lots of work done on this. And there's a pretty good correlation between contesting shots and lowering opponent field goal percentage, right? Is so you can that's why you know you coaches have always said put a hand in the shooter's face, right? And that does lower shooting percentage. And so, according to the NBA tracking data, the Wizards contested 57% of Toronto's shots, right? And then, and Toronto obviously just missed everything, right? Against Indiana, they contested 56%. <laughs> and Indiana shot great. So the, the, the contest percentage was identical. Okay. Now, here's the really weird thing, because last year they were like, you know, basically league average in opponent effective field goal percentage. Last season, they contested on average 62%. So this season, with their improved defense, they've, um, you know, they... they <laughs> They actually are contesting fewer shots, and they're not right. forcing more turnovers either. So it's a little. How is the thing is? How is uh, a contest defined by, uh, by tracking data? Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, the the way yeah. it's the NBA has their methodology in their tracking. Yeah. They do it with the you know the, the cameras, and it's part of its proximity, but it's also based on like is the hand raised 
Okay. Is the hand extended? So if a player, you know, is near but he doesn't have his hands up, it's not considered a contested. Okay. Well, if if I'm if I'm already in the uh, shooting pocket, I'm releasing at the top of the arc, and then you put your hand up. Will it count it as uh, contested? No, I mean it's got to be while the guy is okay. in the act of shooting. So if the, okay. if the guy has released the shot already, or is like you know at the apex, then it, I don't think that counts. But um, okay, you know. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, all right. I like, yeah. And now it's just a uh, a joke at West in terms of the defense. Like it's way too early. And yeah. but based on your data, and it, this is like a key. Um, this is why stats are good and like numbers are good because um, it's indicative that we are following principles, right? Like if the first two games we did the same thing, one game another team just outscored us more. You may think, like, what happened to the defense? That's the easy explanation, right? But if mm -hmm. they're still contesting shots, then you just have to hope the law of averages do what it's supposed to do. And we'll, we'll come back, and then boom. That, yeah. that contest rate will hopefully uh, have us in some games that are combined under 220. You know? Yeah, right. have, it, have it going. Like, if, yeah. for, for the betting folks out there, you know, like, maybe the contesting will help us so you could bet the under. Yeah. So to the point, to your point, um, talking about, um, you know, the, the process and what they're doing. So a few more data points on this. Right. So, I mean, obviously, this is through only two games. So it'll be really interesting. This I'm throwing these out more as like, let's track and let's just sort of keep a keep sort of uh, just putting putting a pin in these data points. Right. Okay. So, so far this season, fifth fewest opponent at rim attempts. That's as a percentage of field goal attempts. So fifth okay. fewest opponent at rim attempts. So they're doing a good job of keeping them, keeping the opponent away from the rim. That's good. Um, they also have the third best at rim defensive field goal percentage. That could be a Daniel Gafford thing. It could also be mm -hmm. just that the turn mm -hmm. the Raptors missed everything. Let's give it to Gafford. Let's yeah. just give it to Gafford. All right. Well, you can give it to Gafford for now. Let's see what happens. So here's the thing that's interesting. So they're giving up the fifth fewest at rim attempts. They're also giving up the sixth fewest opponent three-point attempts. So they're both not giving up threes and they're not giving up at rim attempts. And that, if that holds up, that suggests that they're going to be quite good defensively. Um, if, like I said, if that can hold up, because usually you have to give up, you, you have to give up something, right? Yeah. And ideally, you give up those mid-range shots basically from about four feet out to the three-point line. Um, because opponent shooting percentage just plummets there. That's what you want to give up. Usually, if you want to protect the rim, which is kind of the most important thing to do, um, then then you have to give up threes, which are the like the second most valuable shot. The reason at rim is most important is one, that's the highest field goal percentage, and two, that's where most most fouls occur is um, yeah. in that within five feet of the basket. So if you have a choice, you give up the three over giving up the at rim attempt, but if you can, if you can both prevent threes and prevent at rim attempts, your your defense is rock solid. So it's kind of like let's see what happens going forward. But so far, the process looks quite good um, okay. in terms of the kinds of shots they're allowing. Okay, and so even with those two factors, uh, the shots and a slow pace, you, you still don't want to uh, go back and redo your prediction. No, not yet. Okay. It's, too, it's way too soon because, you know, if they play, say they go and we can sort of move into next week, you know, the week ahead now, they've got Brooklyn, right? And um, 
So if they scared. play, you know, if Brooklyn lights them up, you know, here's the thing. You can have a, a, a good process, and if you don't execute it well, you know, you can have a good sound scheme, and if you don't execute it well, you 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 can you can still give up a ton of stuff. I mean, the the the, the Wizards scheme last season, they tried a number of different iterations trying to get the players to do something mm-hmm. defensively, and basically nothing worked. Um, in part because the players never really executed, and there were some some principles that they had in place. I mean, I guess towards the end of the season they started to do that some, but there were some principles in place like you know every team does this. They have force rules. And generally, you're trying to force the uh, ball to the sideline, then to the baseline, and then you're either trapping or challenging shots from there. Okay. And the Wizards, the, the whole idea is to, that you want to keep the ball out of the middle. And um, the Wizards' perimeter defenders never really executed yeah. those uh, force yeah. rules with any kind of consistency. So the, the scheme was there, but mm-hmm. the, 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 execution the execution wasn't, wasn't there. Yeah. So. That makes sense. We'll see what happens. That's why I'm not changing um, changing okay. that. Any, any, what I've seen so far has not changed my mind on what I saw in the numbers okay. before the season. Well, I, I, I would like to go back and uh, I want to up the win, the win uh, total mm-hmm. from I think we can forty seven thirty five. Whoa. Yeah, and, and here's why, right? Like so. So you're you thinking know, they're going to be like a fourth or fifth seed? You think they're going to be? Yeah, I've, I have, uh, I've texted friends of mine, um, and I, I'll do screen grabs of it for <laughs> verification. Like, oh, uh, you know, I it, it, the text read, "Call your mother. We're coming for that fourth seed." You know, at first <laughs> I thought it would be like seventh, eighth, us hosting Boston. Um, we survived like a monster game from from Jalen Brown because like now. Bill won't have to guard the six eight Tatum, right? Like we had last year, you had to guard Tatum, which was you know pretty pretty stupid. But who else was going to do it, right? Like we had no one else yeah. who was capable of doing it. So this year we have KCP. Can he stop him? Perhaps not. Tatum's good, but I know Brad can't stop Jalen. Like so, Jalen Brown's going to light us up, but we will still beat them. We will overcome because for some reason, uh, Boston hasn't yet like found out the way to maximize their two uh outward like two great great talents like you know when Marcus Smart and Kimball Walker is getting more shots than Jalen Brown something's an issue so we'll beat them on that but then I saw us play and we have a x factor and it's Spencer Dinwiddie right mm-hmm. like and it's, it's crazy you gave a guy a huge contract you don't expect him to be an x factor but what I mean by that is when he came in I'm thinking you know 17 points per game maybe seven assists, you know, something like that, decent numbers, okay, solid, decent numbers, above average numbers. Dinwiddie can flat out score to rock. Mm-hmm. Dinwiddie wants to rock. He's clutch. Like, you know, pull, granted, I, I wish he was a little bit more aggressive uh, when we had the 10-point lead so we wouldn't have, like, blown the lead and even, like, been in overtime increasing their minute outlaw. But when it went down six and this time, that was all him. You know, like, he was clutch. He was beyond clutch. He he wanted the shot. He wanted to live with that. And, and I respect that. And mm-hmm. the thing is, can he keep it up? And something uh, I was I was watching um, this past Friday. We wanted to go to game to the game, but my lady, she she was sick, and we wanted to make sure it wasn't COVID. We were yeah. waiting. Um, we were waiting out the test. And we, we yeah. got the test back negative on Friday. It was just like, no bill. 
will stay home. So, like, watching a game, I, I mentioned to someone, I was like, yo, Spencer Dinwiddie is really a 6'6 point guard. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that, he's he's a mismatch. Yeah, He's a mismatch across the board, and he was abusing those folks. So, like, we have a legit guy who, you know, for the first time in a bit, we can have two all-stars. You know, like, we can, we really can have two all-stars if, and this is a big if, uh, two ifs involved with this. If Dinwiddie plays uh, uh, Indiana, if we play Indiana for 80 more games, he's definitely an all-star. <laughs> and we're, 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 we might go 79-3, and three, you know. Right. But um, it, if he can continue this and if he can, like, you know, continue this and stay healthy, then, um, you know, I, I really think, like, he, he will constantly grow. Because when you think about it, like, the last four years of him playing, when he got 20, you have to consider he was also split in duties. Like, uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, um, D'Angelo Russell was still a part of that team, right? Like, like yeah, Harris LeVert, like Harris LeVert was part of that Brooklyn team. So he found out a way to be a 20-point scorer and coexist with, like, two other bonafide scorers. Here, he only has to coexist. Well, Kuzma thinks he's a bonafide scorer. We'll see. <laughs> right. Like, you know, the bonafide scorer I think is on a roster hasn't yet appeared yet. And that's Rui. Like, I, I think he's a bonafide scorer. I know you disagree. But we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that later. But, yeah. right, so right now there's only one established, like, uh, bonafide scorer on the team, and that's, like, Brad. And, you know, like, with Russ, you could see it last year. Like, Russ was deferring too much to Brad. And then when Russ got it going, he wasn't feeding Brad enough. Like, those are – that's the opposite end of the spectrum when you have, like, a ball-dominant point guard, which then what he is. Which then what he is. Like, he's, he's not a pass-first uh, – he's not a pass-first guard. He's a scorer. He's a hybrid – combo guard and his his combined play is great and to the extent i think uh it will increase our win total by five so 47 35 um put me down for it if, if i'm right i will um you owe me a pack of six corona so six heinekens and if i'm wrong whatever you want i owe you so there oh, we go right. oh whatever i'll be I accountable want, huh? Yeah, well, over, over forty-seven. Like, is forty-seven or over? Like, but if if we get forty-six, I don't think you should like you know ding me for that one. Nah, it's like you were so all right. Yeah. but definitely over forty-two. And, I'll give you, I'll and, give you a couple wins either way. So all right, un, all right, fair enough. And so, but not only and last point of this uh, long-winded explanation. So not only Dinwiddie, right? Like Kuzma, the first game he he didn't like in my in my eyes he didn't play like very particularly well. Considering that uh, Sacra- like uh, Toronto really had no one to guard him, yeah, like, yeah he should have exposed like what he did against uh, Indiana. He should have did against Toronto. But whatever, first game jitters. Montrez Harrell was going off. He was cooking, mm-hmm. um, like whatever. And I th- I think I saw a play, and I might have texted you. Uh, Kuzma like could have easily thrown a lob to Harrell, and then he just pulled it back out. I so I, I want to see him in more of a playmaker. But against yeah. Indiana. He did his thing, and if it continues, if Kuzma can give us 16, 17 a game, mm-hmm. yeah, we're I'll I'll like I'll total depth is like too crazy to to not get to forty seven and challenge for fifty wins. So that's what I'm thinking. But like I I mentioned early uh, earlier in the the beginning of the podcast, uh, the East is a gauntlet. Like you know, um, mm-hmm. Cleveland will give you. Now. Yeah, it's so many good teams too because of the talent, right? Like all the tanking that took place in the East. Like now, you, you, you know, you have a generational talent and Cleveland playing center with another backup center who's great at blocking in terms of yeah. Mobley 
and Jared Allen. So, like, all of these teams now have one, two, three pieces, and they're more experienced than they were prior, uh, like, last year. So they have a year of experience. It's going to yeah. be a gauntlet. That's the only thing that militates against, like, me going full in and saying, yeah, we could win 50 games. But 42, yeah, I want to put 47. And I think right. uh, I think we lose to Brooklyn, but I definitely think we can get Toronto and Boston. I mean, uh, Atlanta and Boston up out of there. I think we sweep Boston this week. Hmm. Okay. Uh, my guess would be that they're going to go – and I'd probably put them at one and three over the next oh. four because I don't That's think a- they're going to beat Brooklyn. Um, I think they'll split with Boston, and I okay. think Atlanta is going to beat them. So um, – It'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing. I, I wrote after that uh, Toronto game that even when the Wizards were up 30, I just wasn't that impressed with how they were playing. And um, obviously Toronto came back it. a little bit, made a run. But there's just I, – and I think really what it was is that their offense was just so bad that they were yeah. um, breaking, that they were turning things over like crazy. Yeah. And um, I just didn't like the sloppiness of how they played. And then I felt like – what was happening with Toronto was more just Toronto playing like crap than the Wizards playing excellent defense. So yeah, uh, we'll yeah, see. True. That's but that's yeah. my prediction for next week. Um, with Kuzma, I um, I mean we've talked about him a little bit already, but I him scoring like he's going to score because he's going to use possessions. You know he's been over twenty percent usage every every season of his career. Um, you know, last season he was at 20%, even playing with like LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis. Um, this season he's almost at 24%. The problem with him, and one of the reasons why he um, tends to score lower, like, you know, basically right around average, is that his efficiency is, is down. Like this season he's about seven points per 100 possessions below average efficiency. That's pretty much been his norm throughout his career is being is hanging out around like, you know, four to, to seven points below league average efficiency. And that's uh, means that he's he's hurting the offense, really, when he's using those possessions. There, there is a balance, you know, where uh, a little bit below average is kind of, can be OK because of offensive rebounding, and you know, especially if you're like a really great defender or something like that, you can get away with it. But. That's not really he's he's okay defensively, but he's not a great defender. He's not like an all NBA level, I mean, an all defense level defender, or even like a borderline. He's just maybe average to a little above average defensively, and so that offensive efficiency with that kind of usage ends up potentially hurting. It's gonna you know it'll depend on where he lands relative to the rest of the team, but you know that like I said. Below average efficiency with high usage is not usually a good combination good. for a team. Yeah, and that makes sense. All right, we'll yeah. see. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely gonna pay uh, attention to that. But like, yeah, I mean, in terms of usage, uh, would would you say like usage can be, I guess, like uh, synonymous with like ball hawk? Is is that is that a fair? No, I, I would okay. see. I don't think of it that way. I know that there's a lot of talk about that. Like guys who shoot a lot are often labeled selfish. Um, I look at it usually more in terms of what the player is asked to do um, for the team. So, okay, you know, Bradley Beal taking a lot of shots makes a lot of sense because that's what the team wants him to do. That's what the coaches want him to do. That's what the the, the team needs him to do. Right. Um, it's 
so for for Kuzma, the usage rate isn't necessarily a problem. You know, average is twenty percent, right? Because you have five players, um, so, you, so you, the average is about twenty percent, or it okay. is twenty percent. So even him for like using, a, oh well, yeah, him no, using possessions sense. is not a problem. It's it's that he has to use them, be more efficient, and when he doesn't. And so, like right now, there's some aberrant numbers all through his through his stat line. Like he's his rebounding is outlandish for where he's been. Like his career best was a, a little over ten rebounds per hundred possessions. This year he's at seventeen. That's not going to keep up, right? Um, he he's also like his turnovers are basically double what he's ever done before. So he, his turnovers will probably come down. But his playmaking, he's he's not a playmaker. He, he basically generates no assists or very few assists. They, they're almost accidental. So like you're hoping he's going to throw a lob to Harrell. It's, he's yeah. probably better off shooting the ball than trying to pass it. No, perhaps. Yeah, he needs to, he needs to uh, add some playmaking skills to his, his bag. Yeah, I, I think that that ship is probably sailed. At twenty six, okay. he's probably not going to suddenly start. Well, but you got to consider. Maybe you have to consider is like, you know, like clearly. Uh, I don't want to be very respectful of players because I wouldn't want someone who doesn't know me labeling me. But uh, like Kuz, Kuz has like a a star boy persona about him, right? Yeah. Like, like he wants the attention. I, I remember. Um, in LA, like I think was is it is he signed with Puma? Like he was on a, a billboard with Puma, if I'm not mistaken. Like so, and he has like he's a very fashionable. Um, he's dated some of the uh, like you know top like like girls that most guys would consider the top girls, I guess. Like he, he's done all of those things, right? Like yeah. And so the only thing honestly missing on his uh, resume is the basketball like his scoring like has been like oh you're one of the best scorers all-star because you can't he's won he's won a championship and he played a pivotal role yeah. you know what i mean like so he's he's reached the no he's, he's, he's a solid, player. Like, solid yeah. player isn't quite right he's he's a he's a good professional player he's a good solid player. professional player he's a good so, player you know like Kentavious is is a good you know professional he, player Harold's is good but KCP even doesn't better. have any KCP doesn't have any like star like star quality about him and that's not a knock. He he will bust my ass in basketball. Like he right. will oh you don't think I'm a star? Like like I will try my hardest and it will be futile, meaning he will have snatched my soul. Like <laughs> you tried your hardest and you could not do anything to, to thwart me. I I own your soul. One hundred percent. So it's no knock to, to KCP and he's been well played, handsomely paid. He's done his thing. He's made Georgia proud, right? But right. Kuzma has that you know, you look at him, you expect him to be a star. He has the walk of a star. He has the swagger of a star, the confidence of a star. So a lot of folks, and, you know, you, you regale against, like, the, I think you call them the yay points folks, right? Like, <laughs> like, you know you know what I mean? Like, Kuzma may be a yay points guy. Because, like, you know, like, let's face it, one of my one of my all-time favorite players of all time is uh, Derek, Derek Rose, right? And, and Rose played with LeBron. Couldn't fit with LeBron, and you know you had some hipsters in Minnesota talking about Derrick Rose is, you know he's th- he's stunting Tyus Jones' uh, growth. It's like, come on, buddy, come on, buddy, <laughs> come on. But he reinvented his game, right? Like, so what Rose Rose needed, like a knock on Rose was all you do is look to score. Well, let me put you on a bench, and that let be your role. Create, carve out a great role, 
he's still in line to to win me a thousand dollars because I betted a buddy that he will still make MVP. And this was back in like 2018 before he dropped 50, before he scored 50 points and became uh, back known. So like with Kuzma, right? Like he now has a role. What do we need from him? I know you mentioned the defense. The Lakers mm-hmm. needed more of that from him than we probably do because LeBron was aging. Like, hey, son, I need you to go guard this guy because I have to do everything else. Makes sense, right? Like, totally yeah. makes sense. Sacrifice everything else. For him, when he ended the score, and I just feel because you add in, he's, he's he has the star boy quality. Uh, he, he dates the models. Like, he lives the star boy life. Um, fashionable guy. The only thing missing are the, the individual accolades. And for him... He may be a yay points guy. I mean, and, and it makes sense because he's a disciple of Christ Bryant. And all of us, like, you know, all of us, like, adherence to the philosophy of Mamba, we are yay points guys. Like, some of See, us, not to the extent of others, but, like, even myself, like, go get me 50. I don't bro, care how you do it. Go get me well, 50. So here's the thing, though, and, and this is, like, the key difference in that, is that, like, with Kobe – at his peak, Kobe was one of the most efficient players in the league. I mean, not one of the most, but he was above average typically. Yeah. You know, three to five points per hundred possessions above with no space average. With with the you know, with the, the high usage rate, which is really impressive. I mean, there was a period of a few years where like Gilbert Arenas was Kobe level. And you know, Gilbert got there like three years in a row where he was essentially Kobe yeah. level in terms of efficiency and usage. Um, so we're talking two of the better like perimeter offensive weapons in the league at the time. So that's not Kuzma though. Kuzma is lower usage. He's closer, much closer to that 20 to like 24% usage rate and his efficiency is below average. That's usually, a, that's not a good combination because usually as players use fewer possessions, their efficiency can be better. So he's, he, if he's going to be a valuable scorer, the the wizard will need him to score more efficiently than he ever has in his career. Otherwise, gotcha. um, he's taking possessions most likely away from players who will be more efficient and who would give yeah. them a better uh, give them a better offense. So yeah, that's that's the thing. And then the other part of it is that like Kobe, as much of a scorer as he was, he was also a good passer. You know, he would yeah, produce yeah. assists. Yeah, and yeah. so. One of the real values of like a, an overwhelming offensive player, like a, is one is that their efficiency commands defensive attention, and then once that d- a defensive attention is drawn to that player, once they that's the gravity thing that they talk about, right? Once that they that defense yeah. gets there, then they can make that pass out, and that's mm-hmm. um, that that was something Kobe did well. Um, sometimes he would, of course, just shoot it right over the double yeah. team or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And but Kuzma doesn't do that well, and that's actually like a little bit of a weakness with Beal. Where you know with Beal, if you trap him, if you blitz him out of on screen roll, if you trap him on the perimeter, it takes too long for the ball to come out to where it yeah. needs to be. And um, so it, he's it a gives scorer, the, right? Yeah, it gives like, the defense yeah, they, a little more chance. But that's that's yeah. something what I love about Dinwiddie, for example, uh, going back to him and what you were talking about, where. He Dinwiddie can make that pass. So as yeah. he draws defenders, he can find the open man, and he he makes that pass really well. That's one of the things John Wall did so great was that he would draw that defensive attention. Either the de- defenders would react to his uh, penetration, and then he would be kicking it out to the corner, to that far side corner with that like cross court pass, and he'd just get these open threes. It was 
great stuff. That's not Kuzma, and it's not fair to compare Kuzma to that because he's a completely different kind he's of player. A, he's a scorer, yeah. Yeah, like I'm Kuzma. just saying that for him, for his scoring to be valuable, he needs to be at least like average efficiency, and, and he has never been there in his career. Okay, that makes sense. All right, well, yeah. I hope I hope we find a way to get him uh, to average uh, efficiency because, like – I, I mean, I guess, and I, and I hope whoever listens to this can, like, feel the excitement like we both have, well, uh, you know, for the Wizards this year. That that wasn't there, quite there last, this past season. and But, yeah, so the point is, if we can get Kuzma to that level of efficiency and combine with Brad, uh, you know, third-team all-NBA level play, mm-hmm. with Dinwiddie's all-star level play, y- y- we're cooking. We're building something like we we have we have the systems in place, and you know I've already started telling like asking friends like we're one piece away. Who do we need? Who do we need? Who you know like you know that excitement, that type of stuff that makes fans um, get geared up. Because last year, very very quickly, although I never gave up faith, I knew Russell Westbrook was getting us to the playoffs. He's a superstar. Superstars get you to the playoffs, and it looked it looked ugly, but he did it. He got it done. But then we were look like uh, last year. Outlook was just let me maintain my line of argument that Russ is a superstar. Like let him get to the playoffs. This year is like, what can we actually do? Yeah. Like what can well, we? What can? I'm not as optimistic as you when it comes to that. I think they're more than a piece away because I think the piece they need is still like that elite player that that somebody who it can be. If Paul not, George. Who, who can be, you know, first team, second team All-NBA, or somebody Paul who can George. be in the MVP com- conversation. Paul George. Yeah, we should get I, Paul George. We Paul George away. Yeah, the thing is, is that the Clippers would probably want Beal, and then you're kind of back where you were. <gasps> no! Get rid of Beal! No, I'm kidding. Uh, get Beal. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. No, but, uh, yeah. Like, that's, that's the thing, right? Like, because, uh... We we are missing. I agree with you. Like a piece away is a little more uh, hyperbole, just exaggerating. Um, yeah. But maybe a couple of pieces away, and that's not a stretch of uh, that's not that's not an unreasonable stretch. We're a couple pieces away from what? Like winning a championship? No, but from the Eastern Conference Finals, I think so. And but the thing yeah. is, with this team and how we're uh, currently uh, constructed, I just don't know what that piece is. You know, like. Is it a center? I don't know. We don't. We don't know what Gaffer is going to become. We don't know if Thomas Bryant and Gaffer can coexist with Montrez Harrell. No, I, th- I think they're fine at center. I think they've got what they need at center, and okay. I think the backcourt is is adequate. You know that they can that to to be a, a, a solid backcourt on a you know winning team. I mean, talk when I'm talking about winning, I'm talking about a team that will win. You know, in a playoff, truly yeah. win 48, 50 games. You know, get into a you know, a home game, a, a home series, you know, home court advantage home court. in the first yeah, yeah. round, that sort of thing, right? I think what they need is a small forward. They don't have one on the roster, really. Um, KCP is is a is a more a shooting guard. And yeah, he's, he's I think small. KCP's role is ideally is as a backup, you know, playing like 24 minutes a game, backing up shooting guard and small forward. Yeah, um, And then I think they also could use a power forward. Um, I know you, you think Kuzma is good, and oh, I know really? you like Hachimura as well. <laughs> I don't think either one of those guys is going to be the answer. I think oh. they need um, much better. You know, we, we can we're we're running out of time here today, but maybe in the future we'll talk about uh, Hachimura. Hopefully, he'll get back on the court soon. 
because okay. uh, you know certainly hoping he improves. Uh, you know, I didn't as I wrote in the forecast, I didn't see improvement from him last year, not in any kind of significant way. In fact, um, he was basically the same player he was as a rookie, just not as good. So, um, well, and then, well, you know, Avdia potentially could, you know, he could take a big jump. That That's certainly possible. Um, I So far this season, he looks like pretty much the same guy as last year, you know, basically yeah. 11% usage both games. And, um, you know, he still looks a little like passive a and a little tentative. Yeah. You know? He looks like a Although rookie. I will say he did he did make a nice play in, in pick and roll where he you know got into the lane, he slowed down, then he did the burst. So that, that little bit of pace was nice to see. It's just you know, they need him to do more, especially yeah. if he's gonna take over that small forward spot. So no, anyway, he, that's yeah. what I think they need is I think they need forwards. Okay. So um maybe we want we'll like I'm looking forward to the uh the mid-season one around the trade deadline. Who can we yeah. go get? You know, yeah. but all right, yeah, no. So, okay, so about two pieces away. We're yeah. At least we're, we're better than last year when we had uh, vegan wings, you know. We had, <laughs> yes. we had vegan wings. We didn't have wings. And I don't like Garrison. Like, I, I'm going to miss Garrison Matthews. He, you know, he won us that Brooklyn game in my eyes. Like, yeah. that Brooklyn game, that Brooklyn game last year was a great game. He won that game for us. But you know, we had him going out there defending the other team's best player. Yeah. So no, Matthews was year. fun. I liked him. Um, I like Harris. I wish but, he lands. Uh, I wish he gets another opportunity. Yeah. And I'm glad. Uh. Uh. I remember last year on the commentary on a broadcast, uh, Justin and Drew would constantly talk about how happy they would be if they were um, Garrison's agent. And it's like, well, you know. Kind of glad you aren't, you know? Like, Garrison, <laughs> what you thought was going to happen didn't happen. But I do hope somehow, some way, we can bring him back. Yeah. We can bring him back. Cause he now, he's with him. Boston now. He's with Boston now. He's he's day-to-day with an injury, but... Uh, oh, they signed him? Oh, he's, yeah, he's on a yeah. two-way with them? Oh, okay. I wasn't aware. Okay. Yeah, he's he's with uh, the Celtics now. Oh, man. So. All right. Well, I hope he will... Well, ahead. wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Um, I just looked, and so it looks like as of about a week ago, he's now with the Rockets. Uh, the, the, the Celtics had him in camp. They waived him, and then he, the Rockets claimed him on waivers, and so he's okay. he's now with the Rockets on two-way. Okay, nice. Okay, I hope he gets some minutes in Houston. Yeah, like, yeah. They're, they're tanking, should. so he should. They're tanking big. Yeah, so, yeah. Right. Well, he could shoot. So, All right, anything else you want to hit on before we uh, wrap this up? Uh, no, last thing I would say is uh, I'm looking forward to sweeping Boston. I hope we beat Brooklyn. And Atlanta, um, it's, it's a toss-up. Maybe we can beat them. Maybe Trey Young drop 50. All I yeah. know is I hope it's a show. I'll be in attendance. Yeah, it'll, I think it'll be a show. And like I said, I think that they have a shot at that at that game. They, they have a shot at all of them. This is not a, it's not a bad team. It's just I think they're going to be pretty close to average. And we'll see. So, all right. All right. With that, we are going to wrap up this uh, first episode of the renewed New Look <clears throat> So Wizards podcast. You know, we traded away uh, some folks, and we've now settled on our team, at least until the trade deadline, in which case, at which point Ron will probably trade me for you know, some vegan nope. wings or something. <laughs> nope. I'm here. It's my All time right, so now. Check us out on bulletsforever.com, and uh, we will see you next week. See you next week.